Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Okay, and welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. It's been a while since we've been together, but uh, taking a little bit of summertime off and edging more into the paranormal world now that it's fall again. Well, almost fall, I guess we can say. The veil will be thinning once again, I'm sure, and we'll be getting a lot more guests and stories and, and everything else. And we are welcoming Miss Katie Turner to the show today. Hi, Katie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you for being our first guest in a while. You have been one of the experts on the hit series Paranormal Survivor and My Paranormal Nightmare, two shows that I have been on myself as as one as an expert and one as a as a victim. Where did your interest in the paranormal and your psychic abilities originate from and where did it all go from there? Well, to be honest, Dan, um, I've been psychic my whole life. Uh, This is something that is kind of normal for me. And so as a very young child, um, I would predict things or I could, you know, see people who had passed and um, it was a normalcy for me. Um, As I grew up and, you know, got older into my, uh, you know, teens and stuff, I I became more, um, shall we say, interested. I was intrigued. I wasn't so much scared of it. I wanted to understand it more. And it was at that point that I started going to libraries. And I mean, I'm dating myself, but, you know, there wasn't the internet the way it was today. So, you know, I tried to read as much books as I could to try to understand it. Um, Fast forward into uh, college times, I started uh, over 20 years ago now. I started amateur investigating with some people uh, to the best of my ability at the time. And my senses, my psychic senses just got bigger and bigger and better. And uh, so basically, that's how it was born. Um, you know, I never intended going into doing this as a, on a full time basis. But you know, the universe basically said, this is what you're doing. And so here I sit. Katie, as a, as a young girl, when did you actually realize that this was special? And it wasn't just something that everybody else maybe could do? Um, when I was at school and I, uh, I started seeing uh, auras. So cute little story. When I was in grade two, my mother got a phone call home from the teacher. And uh, the teacher said, you know, Katie, she's a pretty bright kid, but unfortunately, she's not always there. And, you know, you need, you need to kind of have a chat with her about this and see what's going on. And so my mom sat me down and said, you know, Katie, what's going on? And I said, well, mom, you know, it's really hard with all the colors. And she said, well, what do you mean the colors? And I said, well, when the teacher's up at the blackboard, I can see all the colors around her. And it was at that point that she kind of went, oh, now I, I have a, uh, I grew up in a very spiritual family. So everybody's open to it and kind of understands it a bit. And so she explained to me that that's what auras are. And so it was at that point that I really, my first recollection of kind of uh, a psychic event happening. Now, before even younger than that, you know, I would tell messages from loved ones that had passed away and my parents tell me stories of these things. But it was at that point that I realized that nobody else could see it. I would ask my friends and they're like, what are you talking about? They, they didn't know what I meant. Which can be very frustrating. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. There's always that kid in the, you know, in the school that always has those invisible friends and can see things that aren't there. And were your teachers open to it? Like, did you ever speak to them and say, hey, Mrs. Whatever, you know, you've got a purple aura around you or a, a green light or anything like that. Did you ever approach the topic with them? Uh, You know, it's something I did not approach. I grew up in a very small town. I was a farm girl, you know, in the boondocks. And uh, it was something I tried to hide. It wasn't until um, that I got into the late stages of, of high school and into college that I the reason I decided to start investigating was, you know, selfish reasons. We all want the holy grail of evidence and we want something we can prove. But I wanted to let people know that I wasn't crazy. It's not as though I was ever made fun of or people accused me of those things because I was, you know, I kept it to myself or to my close friends and family. But I really wanted to justify it to myself and other people that there really is something out there. And it was at that point that going into the investigations and doing more and more that my abilities, you know, I... I hid my abilities. I I called myself a closet psychic for many years because (laughs) I didn't want that judgment. And 
going, you know, into more investigations and having more experiences and, and saying things, opening up, just as you said, opening up and saying these things to people. It was at that point that I was going, huh, okay, so there's more to this. And, and it just, it, it evolved from there. You and, you and Rachel should form a club because she calls herself the closet, <laughs> the closet medium as well. So <clears throat> you said you come from a spiritual family. So does that mean you had grandparents or aunts? that were, you know, I always often refer to the females of the family. Was there anyone else that had gifts as well? You know what? Everyone in my family has had an experience. Um, my father is extremely sensitive. Him and I have a connection. You know, if he's feeling sick, I can feel it. And if I'm feeling sick, he can feel it. Um, oftentimes I'll call him and, and I'll ask him, you know, did you bump your head because I have a headache? That type of thing. Wow. Um, my mother has had paranormal experiences, my grandmother, um, but none of which it's not as though they're afraid of it, but it's not something they wanted to focus on where that became the whole center of my universe. I wanted to know more. And so um, although they support it and they're sensitive to it, they don't do it like I do it. As your abilities grew and you became, did you become a part of a paranormal group or you formed your own? Before we we became a team, I was just basically going out with any group of friends that were willing to to, to do it. Um, and then after, after I took a sabbatical for a little while and I had moved across the country, met my husband at the time and, um, I, I have horses. And so that was another, that's another passion. And I was riding and training and doing all of that stuff. And it was when I kind of slowed down on that and decided to come back, uh, really devote my time to the paranormal that I developed my own team. And so we're called the Canadian Supernatural Research Society. Um, and so that it was birthed uh, almost 10 years ago now. We're, we're paranormal investigators as well. We all have our own, you know, fantastic stories. And are there a couple that you'd like to share with us? Like ones that really stand out? And There's been, a, I mean, exactly as you said, there's so many to kind of re, re, count but um there's one story that stands out in particular and it was a um it was a situation where i was dealing with um not only was this an, an entity and it was malevolent but it was not of this world so had somebody come to me and said they had this experience i don't know if i would have you know believed them but uh our team went in a woman was having issues with her children um you know she was saying that they were seeing some sort of lizard type being and the little girl 10 months old was being scratched uh there was light switches uh not only were the lights being turned on and off but they were being blown um they were having you know uh waking up with with uh, screaming sounds and all sorts of stuff happening so you know we go in there and we have open minds but we're skeptical um and we set up equipment i take a walk around and uh, it was dead quiet it was absolutely too quiet um, and so we were kind of thinking, okay, what's, what's happening here? Turns out um, th this house used to be a, a second or uh, two story house and uh, they had made it since into a bungalow. So the second floor was turned into an attic, but was really kind of a half a floor. And if you went through the, the attic uh, wall, like the walls in the, in the ceiling, you would get into the second floor and you could see all the peeling wallpaper, all of the old fireplaces. It was like something out of a movie. I'd set up some static night vision cameras uh, and full spectrum cameras down that hallway to see if we could capture anything because the client had messaged saying that uh, they felt that they could hear things, you know, walking above that floor. And so it was at the point that we were actually tearing the equipment down that I had gone up by myself and I had picked up the, the um, camera and went to turn around and this thing uh, came out at me. And the only way I can describe it to you is it was some sort of lizard-like being. Okay. Uh, I had an, one investigator with me as a witness and I had the client coming up behind as well. Um, and, uh, you know, we all witnessed this. To this day, I can't explain it. When we played it back on the video, we could not pick it up. We picked up audio. Um, it could change its voice from little girls giggling to growling to animalistic sounds. Um, it had glowing green eyes. So this is something that I can't explain to this day and I've never experienced it again. Now, did this, did this thing come at you as, as an apparition or was it a, like a full or was it like a see-through? So this was because it was so dark, um, it had its own ambient light. So how they had described it to us was like a lizard on the walls. It would crawl up the walls really quickly. It wasn't as, as humanoid as you would think. When we witnessed this, it was a humanoid apparition. It was something that was green in nature. It had glowing green eyes and it ended up speaking to us and it yelled uh, to us to get back. 
we were able to capture that on class A EVP. Uh, we didn't need any audio to clear that up, like any anything to clear it up. It was clear as a bell. And did you, were you able to rid the home of it or did you have someone come in and clear it out or is it still there? So unfortunately uh, we did cleanse the property. We did do our best to cleanse the property um, and we were able to uh, make it so it wouldn't come into the home anymore, but it still would lurk outside. Unfortunately, less than a month after uh, we went in, into the investigation, the woman occupying the location ended up with um, having breast cancer. We still don't understand how it happened. It was not in her family. She was a healthy lady, you know, somebody who, it, it was just really, really almost too coincidental. Some of the other children ended up having mental breakdowns. Um, you know, the, the, the marriage dissolved financial issues. So can I say for sure that it was gone? I can't. Can I say that those things occurred because of the entity? I can't, but it's kind of a weird coincidence. Well, now, would you consider this thing as demonic or extraterrestrial? Because, you know, you always hear about the reptilians and, and things like that. And some people say that they're one and the same, but I don't I don't believe that. But uh, what what are your thoughts? Well, I believe that we're all energy beings, right? I, I do believe on, a, on some sort of a basis, we all feed off of that energy, right? Um, in terms of us, we're chloric intake for energy. They may feed off of a different type of kinetic energy. I would have to say that I would probably lean more towards extraterrestrial in origin just because um, I didn't get any demonic juju. I didn't get any, I usually get a really heavy feeling in my chest. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I get a throbbing headache. It just didn't feel it. I'll be honest with you. I've done hundreds of cases as I'm sure you have too. I've only come across a couple demonic cases. In my experience and some of the demonologists I deal with, it's not as prevalent as, as, you know, Hollywood makes you think it is. So in this particular case, I honestly think I would go towards extraterrestrial. Well, yeah. And I tend to think that spirits, even human grounded spirits, um, they some, somehow find a way to present themselves as demonic because they know they'll scare people or put, you know, that, that real religious fear in a lot of them too, right? If you do come across something as quote unquote demonic, how do you deal with that as a, a paranormal investigator and as a psychic medium? Like I said, I've had a couple cases that I've had to deal with and I am not ashamed to bring a demonologist in. Um, I have a friend, a few friends in the States that if I have to get them to remotely come in, I have some people locally that, that will come into the location. But, you know, at first, Basically, we de determine if it's a mental illness. There's a lot of people out there that unfortunately, you know, suffer from mental illness and they feel as though they're being attacked demonically, right? They're, they're going through that. Um, and that's almost as dangerous because when somebody is convinced that that's what's happening, how do you, you know, how do you change that? So we go through processes of trying to determine whether it is mental, um, you know, if there's, if there's any uh, problems there. And once we've really kind of witnessed it or, or see it as it is, I will bring in a demonologist friend. We'll go through the process. I can't do first rights um, cleansings and all that stuff, but I do do cleansings um, and try and rid of rid of it um it's it's tough it's not something people think that you walk around with you know a smudge stick and you sage once i work with people for months in order to get rid of this stuff and sometimes it keeps coming back um in my experience demonic entities are like a tentacle like grip so they work at your your weaknesses um you know there's 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 four things there's oppression suppression depression and possession and they slowly break you down um and so they get to your weakness and if if you're not a weak individual they're going to hit somebody around you that you love that is your vulnerability and it can go you know i don't want to call it generational but it can go out to families i've dealt with issues where a demonic entity pushed a, a woman down the stairs and broke her legs pushed her you know in between a washer and dryer and she was stuck there for two days and oh during that she was an elderly lady and people were trying to say that she was crazy the funny thing about it is she was the most religious person I've ever met in my life. She went to church three or four times a week. She had more paraphernalia in her house than a church itself. And this demonic entity was really trying to get to her because it was a challenge. It, it found it fun. It was like a puppet. It was playing with her. And this poor lady, uh, you know, was going to doctors and trying to figure this out. She, we tried to get a bishop in to do um, an exorcism, but that takes a couple of years. There was a lot of things involved. And she, after it broke her legs, uh, she ended up traveling three hours with a grandson. And when she would open up a water bottle, it would make the water rancid. 
Every time she'd open up a water bottle and take a sip, when she'd set it down, it would make her water rancid. So this was something that we, you know, it took a long time to get rid of, but we were able to help her and, and she was able to move back in her house. Do you think it's, uh, from your point of view, is it the people that get demonized or the house that gets haunted? Uh, what do you think it is? Uh, do they attach themselves to homes or is it the people they attach them to? I think they will attach themselves to an energy source. And they're going to attach themselves, like anything else, the path of least resistance. Um, if you have a traumatic event, let's take a hospital, for example. Okay, there's traumatic events that occur there uh, or a war zone. That's a huge expulsion of energy at that, at that place. And sometimes that in itself, like a red tape theory, will stamp that energy and that's where the field will stay but there's also people that have attachments and it really comes down to the act of intent you know people play with things that they shouldn't play with as a team we have to go to locations and we go to people you know that are that have had other teams come in and unfortunately they open pandora's box simply looking for evidence instead of trying to help the individual so to say it can be one or the other i can't i really think it depends on the situation and it depends on the person's vulnerability so even just ordinary items that people may have had in the past, antique items, they could be have attachments. To Absolutely. Them well. So when people say attachments, immediately they go to, is there, is there an entity attached to it? Well, not necessarily. The attachment could be an energy mm -hmm. field or an energy form. So happiness, right. sentiment, uh, sadness, you know, mourning. It's right. that, that in itself can, can um, hold an energy field. And so when you pick that, object up like psychometry that's when you're going to feel that energy the difference is people don't sometimes realize that so i encourage people when you purchase something used you know take the time and cleanse it take the time and, and do the proper procedures necessary to ensure that you're getting something clean nobody's going to buy a mirror with stains on it or clothes with stains on it the energy is the same right so you may not physically be able to see it but it could be on that item you're pretty well rounded as far as um, clairvoyance, clairaudience. You're empathic. Uh, what else do you do you see as far as when you see other entities or energies or spirits? Um, a wide variety of things. So sometimes I get them as downloads. So I call them downloads where the image gets popped into my head and I witness it that way. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll physically see them. I will see them standing there. I had a, a murder victim uh, that approached me after she had passed and, uh, you know, she was looking for the person she had a message for and I could see her covered in blood. And, uh, you know, when I, I, I had just come home from grocery shopping, believe it or not, and I have a very strict rule, I don't allow people into my home to do readings for that very reason. Because even though I'm due diligent about cleansings, it still comes in. And so she was standing at the front door. And I said to her, uh, you know, can I help you essentially in my mind? And she said she has a message for someone she was murdered. And I said, okay, two things. Do you know who killed you? And is this an open investigation? In other words, do I have to call the police right now? And she said, no, it's a closed case. They know what happened, but I never got to say what I needed to say. And so I said, okay, well, come back, come back when you're supposed to. You know, I have a long line of, of people I do readings for. And so a couple of weeks later, a week later, when I sat down with the individual, I had unbeknownst to me, it was the individual, this lady popped in again, and she got to show me what you know, what she looked like, the gown she was wearing, how she was murdered, where unfortunately she was stabbed. So it was quite graphic. Yeah. And then uh, clear audience, you uh, do you actually hear the voices or is it just coming through uh, as a energy into your mind and you're able to convert it to your language, I guess? No, um, both. So sometimes it comes in as a download and sometimes I can audibly hear it. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's a message or, or a sound, I can hear it. And we've all experienced smells, uh, and that's clear sense. That's the first time I've actually heard that phrase. But yes, yeah, it's the act of of, um, of smelling. Yeah. Danny, right. Danny and I experienced that at the same time during mm -hmm. an investigation. We couldn't wait to get out of that room. <laughs> How cool is that? It smelled like an outhouse. We were like, "Oh man, we better mm. get out of here." Oh yeah. First, it was so like freezing cold in there, and. Uh, that was something else. And we had to get out of there. And then we could smell this putrid smell. It was well, yeah. something did not want us in that room. And empathic. And, and I find a lot of people are probably more empathic than they think they are. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, getting the emotions off of other people. I, and I seem to experience that quite a bit where suddenly I'm feeling sad and I can't figure out why. But it's not me. I'm feeling it's the, uh, the person in the room. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think most of us, unfortunately, suffer from other people's pains more than we think. And I think, you know, it's important to wipe your feet off at the end of the day when you come home from work so that you're not carrying it home because a lot of us do that. So what's a a good way to uh, make sure that you're you're cleansed? I think so. The most important things, in my opinion, is, is essentially, yes, grounding, meditation and setting your precedence, setting your perimeters. Okay. A lot of people want to open up their abilities and it's like a floodgate. So I explain it to children and I, you know, it's a great example as brushing your teeth. Um, When you brush your teeth, some people choose to have the faucet on high. Some people start and stop the faucet and some people let it trickle. But the bottom line is it's where you're comfortable. Too many people open these floodgates, they watch television or they they don't understand how much you know, give and take there is and they open these floodgates and you get a lot of that coming in. So it's important to kind of set your precedence as to what you're comfortable. You can visualize a, a dial and you turn the dial down a little bit and, and or up however you want to do it. And then there's cleansing. It's really important uh, cleansing and grounding yourself because... Uh, you know, I tell people the first time you move into your house and you clean your house, you know, just because you vacuumed and mopped the floors doesn't mean the the, du- the mud and the dust isn't going to come back in. Right. So, it, you know, it's important to keep that up all the time. And I think, you know, lastly, again, set your perimeters. I don't allow people into my home to do paranormal investigations or, you know, to open that up if they want to communicate with somebody. Um, I try not to open up that that dialogue in my own home aside from doing online sessions. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important to kind of have a sacred space to do that, so that you're not, again, opening Pandora's box. Katie, uh, in your bio that you sent me, you do a mm-hmm. few future predictions. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little, a little bit about that and where you have been dead on about something? Or I, I call myself a sensitive psychic medium. And so um, I tap into timelines and, and can... Uh, speak to people who've passed over and in certain timelines um, or, or, or predictions that I've been able to predict, um, you know, it comes down to car accidents. It comes down to, uh, you know, changing. There was one scenario where I was doing a reading for some ladies and I was explaining this car accident and I was saying to them, you know, unfortunately there's a fatality and, uh, but there's going to be a person that walks out, out and necessarily, they're not necessarily they don't know how they're able to do it because it's such a catastrophic event. And during that session, they got the phone call and we had to stop the reading because unfortunately the accident happened at that point. Sometimes it happens six months in advance. Sometimes it happens, um, you know, a couple of years in advance, but I am really grateful to get messages every day from people who, you know, they validate it for me and say, you know, you told me this was going to happen and I saw this and that. So um, there's so many, I can't, I can point out a couple you know, stories, but there's so many that I just can't keep up with all of it. Right. Do your future predictions, are they always connected to a singular person or are there like world events or? My world does not, it's not that big. Usually I zone in, like, you know, I zone into a specific person or or an event with that person or family member. So you're not going to predict the the election (laughs) (laughs) or the lottery lottery numbers or any of that good stuff? I tell people, you know, if I could see the lottery numbers, I'd be in Tahiti sipping on cocktails right now. Um, No, I I can't tell you what's going to happen. You only see what you are meant to see. Is that a correct statement? Um, Yes, I have a motto. Um, If I'm supposed to see it, so are you. And if I'm and if I'm not supposed to see it, then neither are you. So, um, you know, sometimes I can't I couldn't change that fate. I couldn't change that fate of that individual that was killed unfortunately, but the universe presents us things. There's never a coincidence. And so there was a learning lesson that I was supposed to go through a learning lesson they were supposed to go through. And so sometimes that's why it has to occur. Um, but you know, things change, nothing's set in stone. Do you think things are set in stone or are there little things that can sway what's, what's to come? No, I, I think that the future is fluid. And I think that in a certain regard, we manifest our futures. Um, and therefore we have some abilities to change it. Before we go through a dissension process and are born, we're reincarnated, we have a timeline that we write. So it's not like every little alley, nook and cranny is written, but there's certain milestones we're supposed to meet. Um, I, I explain it like children. So, you know, children by a certain time are supposed to have teeth. They're supposed to be able to walk. They're supposed to be able to talk. And we know that if they haven't met those milestones, then we know that they're not they're not on the right path. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. The same principle occurs with us, you know, going through our spiritual journeys. We're supposed to be meeting milestones along the way. Sometimes we have to repeat, repeat the grade six times in order for 
us to learn that lesson, but that's how we're progressing through our reincarnations. Oh, I was just going to say on your website, you talk about uh, even getting messages from pets. And how does that come across to you? Uh, usually I pick up, a uh, I'll get a download, I'll pick up an energy force. So if somebody has um, a picture of an animal they want to communicate with or lost animal, um, basically what I'll do is I'll zone in, I'll kind of make the phone call. And if they want to answer, they answer um, and kind of take it from there. So I'll pick up, you know, images, I'll pick up uh, certain uh, things that the, the animal would do, like, I don't know, shake his head a certain way or, you know, uh, a bad tooth, something like that. I'm able to pick up and, and validate who that animal is. So it's uh, really a connection that you're sending out and hopefully receiving back. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't look at it like you're beckoning them. I think there's too many people out there, whether you're psychic or whether you're a paranormal investigator, that demand um, an audience, that demand you to do something. And, and it's not even what you say, but it's the expectation that you have. I don't go into a, an investigation or a session going, okay, show yourself. You know, I try to build a rapport with that, with that entity, explain who I am, explain what I'm doing. And the same goes with, uh, you know, the connections I meet when I'm reading people. I do it with, um, with respect and I do it with, you know, kindness. You know, this is me. This is what I do. Do you feel, you know, do you want to say anything? Do you have anything I can help you with or any messages? And it usually at that point is when they, they open themselves up to communicate. A lot of it is, is people watching television, people watching these paranormal programs and figure that they can go out and do it themselves, but uh, they're not really connecting with the spirits. And if they are, the spirits are going, oh, no, not this again. But yeah, there's only so many questions you can ask. I mean, instead of asking why you're here, you know, start to, to get a rapport with them. What was your favorite color? What did you like to do? You know, what was your favorite hobby? And build that conversation. Right. Yeah, and I think even Dan in in some of our investigations and half the time and not all the time, but uh, when we're closing up and wrapping things up is when we get the most activity. <laughs> yeah, so it's always when we're setting up and we're shutting everything down, right? Yeah, well, they're, they're people, right? They're not trained monkeys, so you can't make them jump through hoops when they don't want to. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of them are confused sometimes. And, you know, they're like, or if they're from a different uh, time era, they might be like, what are these guys all about? And what are all these crazy gadgets they have in their hand and, and everything else? Exactly. A comedian has to know his audience, right? And to me, as an investigator, you have to know your audience. It's important. It's harder for me because I'm a psychic and I want to go into it blindly. I don't want to know anything about the location, but I have a historian on my team that will do the history so we know what we're walking into. You know, if this is if a Spaniard, we're going to try and, and do, deal with it that way. If it's Aboriginal, we're going to try and relate a little bit more that way. Female, male, what was the history of that location? And, and that really helps Katie, one of the things I like to ask, uh, especially psychic mediums, is their their views on religion, uh, the afterlife. You know, we're all raised as not all of us, but you know that 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 heaven and hell concept, the purgatory, the pearly gates. Uh, as someone who connects with spirits, have you ever said, "Hey, what's on the other side? What what can we expect?" Or or is that something that they're forbidden to talk about? Like, are the rules on the other side? To a certain degree, yes. They don't want us knowing anything more than we're supposed to. You have to realize that when we come and we descend into this into this present life, um, I'm Katie and I only remember Katie's thoughts. I don't remember all my other lives because I'm supposed to be focused on this one. That's the whole principle of us having these spiritual journeys. So there's only so much they can give away. I tell people I don't have a VIP pass. I'm not some special person that can just, you know, call the you know, headquarters and ask questions. But the very odd time, they will let me know little things. So um, whenever I've read people and I ask them, you know, what's the transition? Because it's a process, right? Death is a process. And I'll ask them, what's the transition like? What, uh, you know, what do you have to go through? And each person has explained to me that that has done explanations has explained to me that it's like an airplane terminal or like a train station. So to sum it up, kind of like a mall. And basically, you're kind of herded through. You go through this process of transitioning through this area. And when it's your time to cross, you know, guides will come and they will help you transition to the other side. And it's at that point that you wake up from that amnesia, that you go through the orientation process um, and you're starting to assess your life that you lived. And the whole term, you know, in the blink of an eye, uh, those types of things, you're really assessing that because it's only milliseconds on, on the other side from what is a lifetime on this side. So, um, you know, is that transition uh, for everybody? Not necessarily. I 
sum it up into two forms. I talk about ghosts and spirits. And ghosts are those earthbound entities. They're the ones that stick here. So religion, we talked about religion, um, they're afraid. They're afraid of, of because they've sinned or they didn't do what was right in the Bible if they were very religious in life, they have the hardest time crossing over and they choose to stay. Somebody who is more open to acceptance and accepting their death, they transition much faster. Um, some people choose to stay earthbound for weeks months years before they they truly make the choice to transition and then there's those that don't even know they're dead you know they're they're walking in limbo and you as you know as a psychic or as a paranormal investigator i open that door and sometimes not on purpose i explain to them you know you've passed away and they're they're shocked that they don't know that and then they choose to transition Mm. yeah like uh, the home that i grew up in you know, do you ever listen to the podcast? Uh, I, ex- I explain it in detail in uh, our first episode. Uh, the spirit uh, that was bothering me as a child, uh, he died in our home uh, from suicide, but he didn't know he was dead. Like he, he didn't know that he had you know, done that transition. And he tormented me for years. You know, I, I resembled his son quite a bit. He used to beat his wife and his son. So I took the brunt of all of his, his anger. And, you know, the, the thing that I always, always confused me is like, well, how does this guy not know that he's dead? And why is there nobody, somebody on the other side saying, hey, you've crossed over, leave, leave the physical alone and, and let's, let's move on. You know, and it, eventually it took someone like yourself to, to move the spirit and, you know, into the light, so to speak. And, and then everything was fine. But it, it always confuses me, like, like there should be someone policing the afterlife, and saying, okay, you know, it's like you said, you're at, like, you're, like you're at the airport terminal. Okay, people who don't think they're, or people who think they're still alive, <laughs> line up on the left. You know, people who don't want to cross over, you're in the middle, and and those who are ready to go on the right. But it almost seems like there should be, you know, people, you know, quote unquote spirits that are guiding, like you said, uh, people in the right direction after they pass over. Yeah. Um, Look at it like a vibrational frequency. Okay. So there's different antennas. There's AM frequency, FM frequency, right? Right. If you don't have uh, the type of radio or or, uh, receiver to receive that type of frequency, you're not going to pick it up. So it depends on what you're putting off. And that person, in my experience, people who've committed suicide have one of the hardest times crossing over because they feel like they're going to hell if they do, right? Mm -hmm. It's a sin. Every person that I've ever talked to that's been willing to speak to me that's passed away, that's committed suicide, um, that has transitioned, have all told me the same thing. They do not go to the same place as everybody else. They go to basically a rehab. Okay, and that's the best way I can describe it is it's another place where it's not purgatory, but it's a place that they have to realize what they did was a human selfish act. Okay, we're not talking about people who you know had assisted suicides when they were you know terminally ill we're talking about people who chose to take their own lives and um they have to go through a rehab process and realize that 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 you know was a selfish human act and so their transition is different among even people crossing over on a normal basis um so it's a vibration frequency sometimes there are higher vibrations and lower vibrations and we know that there's an underworld as well and that's a lower vibration so you pick up different elementals and different types of creatures in that regard too so it just depends on what vibration you're setting at people though who who choose to take their own lives do you really think they could be blamed though because there is mental health you know sometimes life is so overwhelming for them that 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 seems like it's their only option you know it almost seems like well you can't really blame that that poor person like you, you call it a selfish act but sometimes you know you have to look at somebody some people and say well that's the only choice they had yeah i agree i agree however it's a, it's a tough it's a tough subject yeah. to to talk about right to approach yeah but i hope that if they do that make that decision that there is help or they're not being punished on the other side that's for sure it's not a punishment. It's more of um, a, a, a rehab. It's more of healing process. It's more realizing that, you know, basically, you, you, I don't want to call it failing the grade, but you have to come down and learn it again. Mm. You know, and as many times, 
it's not just suicide that we have to learn the same lesson. Um, you know, there's many people who just can't get over that. They're learning the same learning lesson over and over and over again. I explain Earth like a one-room schoolhouse. We're all different grades and we're all learning together. And we're part of our learning is helping and assisting others. So some are the younger souls than us. Some of us have evolved a lot more than others. And so part of our journey could be trying to assist that person who committed suicide. So it's not as though we failed that person, but that was a learning lesson we had to learn. There's a whole world involved in a birth and a death, right? So think of, you know, the family that's grieving of the person that died and think of the paramedics who had to witness that. But think of the mechanic who had to fix the tires on the ambulance to get it going. Think of the people who manufactured the vehicle. Think of the paving of the roads. You can go on such a great cosmic level, but there's a whole world involved in that learning lesson. Now, other than uh, scary lizard people, can you tell us another story of uh, something maybe dark and oppressive that you've come across and kind of wish that you hadn't? I dealt with, it was actually a happy ending, but um, my team and I got a call from a client that was having really bad scratching um, and growling and stuff like that um, in her, their home. And, uh, but it was like a gurgling and uh, things were being moved, lights were being put on and off, you know, the typical paranormal stuff. So um, there was also a fire that had occurred and she wasn't sure if that, you know, was part of this paranormal uh, experience she was having. It turns out it wasn't. We were able to debunk that and it was, you know, faulty wiring in the garage. Um, But nonetheless, we went in, we set up cameras and I started to do my walk around. And I got to one particular room and all of a sudden I felt this entity, you know, described what he looked like. Uh, He was a younger male in his early 20s. um, And all of a sudden he walked up to me and he grabbed my throat psychically, okay? And I stepped back and I grabbed my throat and I could feel what was felt like him cutting my throat. And I, it was so real that I, I, I was startled and I pulled back and I pulled my hand down and I immediately got an investigator to uh, snap photos and there was a big red line. And so I was angry. I said, you know, dude, like, I didn't give you permission to do this. I don't, I'm not here to mean you any harm. Why would you want to do something like like this to me? And it was at that point that I realized he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was trying to tell me how he was murdered. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he lived in the city. And um, because of uh, his preferences in life, there was people that were not okay with it. And they decided to beat him up and they ended up slitting his throat. And the growling and gurgling that scared this woman um, so bad was actually him stuck as a ghost. He couldn't get it out. He couldn't speak because his vocal cords were cut and he still carried that on in death. And so once I was able to say to him, you don't, you don't need this on a physical level anymore. You can start to communicate. He was able to come through and there are EVPs of him saying, you know, he was sorry. He knew he shouldn't have been there. He lied to his sister, the one that, that had called us in. He wasn't trying to scare the family. Uh, the dogs were growling at him when he was kind of trying to talk, but you know, he just needs to let you know that he's okay. That he loves you. And he was sorry. And as soon as he did that, the energy lightened and he lifted and he was gone. Wow. He, did, did he know he had passed on though? He did, but he was stuck in the, the few minutes after it had happened. So, you know, we get, sometimes spirits get stuck in that moment. Sometimes, you know, as a ghost, or I should say as a spirit, my grandfather, I use him as an example because he comes around all the time. Um, he, show, he, he shows up as an 86-year-old man, but he's not an 86-year-old man on the other side. He's only going to come as I would recognize him so that I can relate, Okay. Lots of times when people pass, that is such a huge expulsion of energy that that's what they, it's kind of a snapshot in time. And so because he was, that was so frightened and I don't want to say his, he knew his death was coming, but he knew he was, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. That kind of took the snapshot. And so that's how he was stuck. Um, for those moments in time. Now the death had occurred five years previous, but he was stuck into those last minutes after he died. See, that almost seems like hell, you know, this, this, I agree. This, this poor guy for five years, you know, going through that over and over again until he came across you and you helped him along. Um, your grandfather's name wasn't William, was it? No, but my son's name is William. Oh, okay. As soon as you started to talk about your grandfather, I got the name William popped into my head. And it well, was like, funny it was enough. Like, and, it, and it was like, ask her about William. So I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> 
So just before my grandfather died, the last picture I have of him is him and my son. So oh. I, I get that connection. Okay. Yeah, I, I get some win-wins every, every once in a while. <laughs> your website you talk about, you're pretty big on helping yes. others. Now, I know we talked off air before about um, cold case mm-hmm. files and stuff, but uh, I know we can't talk about specific ones, but you have helped out police forces in the I past. I have. So... Um, I really want to make what I do about the authenticity of it. Um, I do charge for readings, um, but I don't want to, I really want to stick to helping. And so, as you know, paranormal investigators, you shouldn't charge. We don't charge for any investigations. I don't charge when I'm helping children or teaching children about their abilities, doing cleansings, you know, and working with missing persons is one of that. And I really, I want it to be authentic. So, um, you know, when somebody calls me and there's a missing person or there's been a murder case and they need some answers, I am definitely going to jump on that and try and help as much as possible. I, you know, I tell each person that I can't guarantee anything, but I will give you anything I can give you. If I can help you in any way, please let me know. And it's at that point that they'll send me pictures of the individual or they'll, and I just start building off of that. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days to piece it together um, as to what they've said. And sometimes it's really quick and I can say, you know, yada, 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 yada and it's out. Um, so there's some that are still ongoing, but I've been able to help and piece together clues and and uh, help, you know, to close files. How do the police uh, react to you? Like, I guess some are open to it, and I guess some are just like, oh, here comes that, that nutter again, right? <laughs> Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what I say? Own it. I own it. I used to I used to hide. I used to be afraid of it. And I own it now. I'm not afraid. I'm not here to convince anybody on my abilities whatsoever. Do you ever walk up to one of the skeptic uh, detectives and say, oh, your grandmother uh, Rose is here and she wants yes. to tell you. Blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the rea- <laughs> and the reaction has been. Uh, so there was an instance where there was a couple police officers, um, and we were, we were uh, investigating a local haunt and it's on a public access road. And so, but there's a lot of people that ruin it for others. And, um, so the police show up every once in a while to make sure everybody's, you know, upholding the law. And so we have all of our equipment out and the police officer gets out of his car and he asked us to leave. And I said, well, you know, I can't, it's a public access road. You can't, I'm not doing anything wrong, but this is what we are doing. And, you know, if you want to join us, please do. So then the second police car shows up and I thought, oh, oh, now I've done it. And so the other police officer gets out of the car. Turns out they ended up staying with us for a few hours and they investigated with us and they showed up skeptics and left frightful believers. Um, Yeah. They were two flak vested uniformed arms, police officers hiding behind me (laughs) uh, scared when we were having different occurrences. And I was able to tell them things that nobody else could tell. And so uh, you know, I don't want to call myself famous, but I'm pretty infamous in some of the local police departments because I was able to scare them pretty good. Oh, that's good. You can't you can't shoot a ghost, no. <laughs> right? I told them that. I was like, yeah, and then they proceeded to tell me that's why they were hiding behind me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I just want to back up a little bit. You said you were born with these abilities, and I guess we all are to some extent. Did you have anyone help you hone your abilities, or to to mentor or guide you, or did you just figure it out it out all out on your own? Um, no, you know what. Again, I have spiritual family, uh, you know, always talking about paranormal and paranormal experiences, but really I had to learn this on my own. When I was 17, I went down to Norfolk, Virginia, and there's an Edgar Casey Institute, the ARE Institute, and that really helped me. Um, I spent, you know, a couple of days there and it, it really helped me to kind of understand it. For those of you that don't know Edgar Casey, he was a very well uh, known transmedium and he was able to kind of leave his body and and, and help other people. And, and that kind of opened the door for me to, to want to know more. And so I just delved into as many books as I could talk to as many people as I could, but I had to learn it blindly. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I do my podcast with my friend, Richard, to try to help others so that they're not feeling like they're vulnerable or they're alone. It's still a very taboo subject. So people are afraid to bring it up, you know, especially at different parts of the world, people are afraid of judgment. And so we want them to feel, uh, you know, calm and cool and collected and not judged if they want to ask us a question. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, I had to do it blindly. Right. So other than watching your podcast, and we, which we will plug in a moment, um, for someone who's listening right now who thinks that they might have some abilities, what, was, what would, be the, would be that one piece of advice that you would give them 
Um, I would say definitely try to find a reputable mentor, somebody that you can use as a sounding board. Uh, try not to do it alone. And please be careful on how you decide to get into it. You know, if somebody says, you know, for $10,000, I can make you a psychic medium. Don't go. If somebody says, you know, if you buy five, even, you know, easy installments of $99.95 for these three books, like, don't do it. There's, there's enough people out there that want to help um, that, that you, it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg to learn these things, but just make sure that you're being protected and that you're, you know, you're, um, you're taking small baby steps. Rachel, this church mouse over there. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen you being been writing much, I, but, uh, have you been taking notes at all? Uh, it's, I didn't make any notes, uh, during the podcast. It was funny. Um, I messaged Danny over there and I was like, I didn't have the bio, what bio? <laughs> so the, the website that uh, you sent us, it just, it went to this media thing. So here I'm like, oh, maybe we're invested or uh, having a, um, a producer or something on the show tonight. So I was like, well, that, that's different. Okay. Who knows? So I'm sitting here about 15 minutes before we started. And uh, I'm like, I wonder if there's anything I can, you know, pick up prior. And it's, what I'm looking at now and I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I did pick up a little bit of stuff and it wasn't just, you know, like information for uh, Katie, but um, it was just who we are <laughs> interviewing. Um, I didn't like put in or anything that you're, you're a psychic medium or anything. I just put down um, very gentle, loving, only the kindness of intentions receives unexpected messages. Clue one. <laughs> and then you said, in uh, the podcast or yeah, in the podcast here that, you know, you had to take time for yourself. And I even wrote, make time for yourself, withdraw from the world, connect with your own inner soul. And, and I made three points. The last one I put was um, might have been having an overwhelming desire to back off from activities and take a break. 100%. 100%. So um, for those of you listening, unfortunately, in July, I contracted uh, COVID, the Delta variant, and I was hospitalized, and I was very, very, very ill. Um, we didn't know if I was going to make it. Um, that was the universe telling me to slow down. That was the universe. I was going 90 miles an hour, uh, you know, doing readings and traveling. Just It was just a lot and um, I'm a firm believer that the universe told me multiple occasions, they usually do, uh, to slow down and I wouldn't listen. Um, and so it, it plunked my bottom down and made me kind of reflect. And so things are different now. And, and what's next for you when you decide to stop relaxing and uh, get off your butt? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I'm slowly starting to do readings again. So I was off for three months, uh, longest I've ever been off. It was it was great, but weird at the same time. Um, and so I'm slowly starting to do readings again. And unfortunately, due to COVID, it's really put a, a damper on investigations, right? As you know, it's, it's harder to get into certain places and stuff. And same with families. Pa families have contacted us and said, you know, when COVID is over, can you come and investigate? So when does that happen? Um, so we're slowly, you know, we've got a long list of, of um, investigations we need to do. But when that happens, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> right. As far as your readings, uh, you do everything online right now. Uh, I am in a small bubble doing things in person. Uh, obviously, COVID rules apply. Um, but uh, no, I, I do a lot of stuff around the world online via video. And, um, you know, I've had the pleasure of reading people in person as well as online and they feel it's it's just as good so i've been blessed that way i've been able to do that mm -hmm. i think it's always amazing of, of how you can connect to anybody in the world uh just through through the airwaves or you know even uh i mean back before the internet we were you could use the telephone and still get the right vibrations off of those people so i think yeah. that's, a, that's just an incredible uh connection um I think, Dan, we've always said that there was no, there's no time in that world. It's just everything, everything is either past, present, future is all one type of deal. <laughs> and Absolutely. they can be anywhere, anywhere at any time. And it's almost like the spirits can be in two places at once too, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it takes them a millisecond to go from like Katie's computer <laughs> to her client's computer, right? Yeah. So. Well, I look at it like it's a non-physical, right? So if I was to get up and walk to my front door on a physical level, all of me walks to that front door. But in spirit, you don't need the physical 
right? So you can break off. It's almost like a radio wave. Just because a radio goes to your radio doesn't mean it can't come to mine too. So it's it's a broad band, let's put it that way, of energy that can travel. And it can be at two places at once. A piece of, of, of my grandfather can be with me and he can also be with my grandmother. So, um, you know, it's not that, it's that non-physical transference of energy. Mm-hmm. I think it was pointed out to me one time that uh, to walk outside and look at the moon and then tell your friend that lives miles and miles away to look at the moon. We're in the same space. Absolutely. The same thing. So, yep. Yep. And that's a great example because when you think of it now, we're simultaneously happening on the other side of the world, but it's a different time there. And that's basically, you know, when people say time is happening, that's what it's like on the other side is that it's all happening at once, but uh, uh, there's a human perception of time occurring. Mm. It's like that funny, you know, like I remember the first time I went to Europe, you know, and it was such a stupid thing. I looked up and I was like, oh, they have the moon here also. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, of course they do, you dummy, right? But it's, you know, but then you look up and it's like, oh, the Big Dipper's there. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's above my backyard back home, right? So, funny, awesome. you know, yeah, it's just a funny thing of, uh, oh, it's like, you know, when they ask Canadians, oh, you guys got running water up there? And, you know, <laughs> you, know you guys live in igloos and all? Yeah, whatever. How many sled dogs do you have? I get yeah. that a lot. Yeah, how many <laughs> sled dogs? <laughs> Katie, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Where all that, you know, your website, your Facebook page, your podcast? She's everywhere. Shameless, <laughs> now is the time to shamelessly plug yourself. Uh, well, thank you very much. So, it, you know, if you are if you want to know more, you can certainly uh, check me out at katieturnerpsychic.com. You can also uh, check my team out at canadiansupernaturalresearchsociety.com. Um, we uh, are also on Facebook, so you can look me up, Katie Turner Sensitive Psychic Medium. I have a page on my personal page. And you can also, if you want to know more, you can also check us out. My friend Richard Ruland and I have a show called Let's Talk About It. It's a paranormal video podcast. It's interactive. It happens every seven, uh, Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And there's, you know, it's a very safe zone. There's no judgment. Any questions that you have, usually we have topics and we're able to interview some pretty cool cats as well. So, you know, if you want to tune in and check that out and all of our past stuff is still on, on on Facebook as well as Spotify. So if you can't watch it, you can listen to it. Katie, thank you so much for being on. I know it took us a little while to get you in here. You know what, guys? It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had a blast. So thank you so much for having me. And I'll be sure to share the show for you guys. All right. Thank you. Until next time, everybody take care and be safe. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.